The Outlet. The Talk of Queenstown. Welcome to The Outlet. I'm your host, Brent Harbour. In this podcast, I talk to Jessica Wolfgang. Now, Jess is a brewer and the co-owner of Rhyme and Reason and has just won the Bear Tourism Award at the 2023 New Zealand Brewers Guild Awards. We chat about Jess's journey into brewing, the start of Rhyme and Reason, and the mixture of art and science that comes with brewing beer. And David Boniface is the chairman of the Fjordlands Trail Trust. We talk about the fantastic finding of a report into the economic impact of the Lake to Lake Trail and their future plans for the region. The Outlet. From your Queenstown app. Hi Jess, welcome to The Outlet. Hey, thanks for having us Brent. Hey, congratulations on your recent award. Can you tell me a bit about it? Yeah, we're super pumped to have medaled this year. We actually haven't been in beer competition since 2019 just with COVID and you know all sorts of things happening so it's actually quite nice to know that you know in the meantime these last few years you know myself the brew crew everyone behind the scenes we've actually been doing a good thing so it's it's quite nice to see us picking up some awards at the Brewers Guild. So Rhyme and Reason has come a long way since your opening in 2017. So what would you say were the biggest challenges you faced in the early days of starting the business? Oh, it was definitely for both Simon and myself was how tired we were, physically tired we were. I think opening up a small business, you're you're there, your feet on the ground, your feet behind the scenes and, you know, doing as much as you can yourselves because you're also trying to learn that business as well so um before you know passing the bar on to bar staff and passing the brew floor on to more brewers we wanted to really get to know how this new business was going to work and how it was going to work you know on the outskirts of Wanaka in the industrial area so being a little bit more of a destination so we actually sort of did everything at the start Simon and I from writing recipes while I was bartending And then Simon would take the next bar shift. And while he was doing that, he was designing the bottling machines. And then, you know, all the back of house stuff. So there there was a lot of work. Yeah, it was incredibly straining with, yeah, how tired we would get and how run down we would get. But we eventually got it to a point where we were quite happy with the systems in place that we had set up. Uh, We're working good. We felt like we created a safe workspace and we were ready to employ people. And so that was like quite a cool part of the business was where we could actually start to employ people to come and help us and, and do what we do. Can you tell me a little bit about how you got into brewing and where you worked before you came to Wanaka? Yeah, like falling into brewing, it was a little bit of serendipity. I had been travelling overseas for a few years, as you do once you finish high school. And a few of those places, one in particular, um, I moved to Cork in Ireland. And I did that because I had just recovered from a knee reconstruction so I wasn't searching for a surfing or snowboarding adventure and I knew that I did since a young teenager I I knew that I wanted to have a bar and I really wanted to have it as a music venue so going to Ireland seemed like a good place for researching pubs bars and music and so that was good like I learned a lot there a lot about what I thought worked what I thought didn't work in those bars um, took notes of all of this and then you know my knee healed and I moved on to Austria for a ski season and eventually back to Australia and moved out to Newcastle and started searching for jobs out in the Hunter Valley there which is very famous uh, wine wine region 
and I thought that might be a good idea, learn how to make some wine. But the first place I drove past on that road trip, so the Hunter Valley has 100, at the time it had 147 different cellar doors for wine, and it had one small microbrewery. And I drove past and I thought, why, why do I have this thought of winemaking in my head when I'm not really a big wine drinker? I'm a beer girl, like I drink beer if I go out to the pub. And so I went in and just I fell in love with the staff straight away. They were super cool, super friendly, and it just worked. They had an assistant brewer who was scheduled to finish up in the following two weeks. And so, again, like that serendipity, I was just there at the right time, the right place, and it was the right people. And I stayed working with, it's called the Hunter Beer Company. I stayed working with them for close to six years and under the guidance of Keith Grice, who was an epic brewer. And we, because it was such a busy venue and we brewed quite small batches, just 600 litre batches at a time, but 600 litre batches for a very busy pub that lent to you've got to brew fast, you've got to brew a lot. And so we were super fit at the time because there was never a walk between tanks. It was, you were running. The beauty of working there was the amount of different beer styles that we got to experiment and practice brewing and brewing to a world-class standard. We actually picked up quite a lot of medals each year while I was working at that brewery um, under Keith's guidance. And that kind of gave me a lot of knowledge and experience to take on for other brewing activities that I then ventured on to do. Oh, that's brilliant. So can you give me a bit of a rundown on the thoughts behind Rhyme and Reason and how what you do differs from other microbreweries? Yeah, well, again, it's going back to all, all, had always wanted to have a bar and music venue, but now I'd learnt how to brew. Now, now that, that vision and that dream turned into, right, I would like to have a bar, a brewery and a music venue. So I was... <laughs> Dream big, babe, but uh, we persevered and um, in the end we got there. So we did, it was, the vision behind Rhyme and Reason was to create a venue for conversation, which we felt in bars, like as, as the years went on, bars became more and more full of TV screens and poker machines. And all of a sudden it wasn't that place where, you, you know, a pub, it's a public venue. It's where you go to celebrate, charismate, you know have a chat with your friend and so we've created this space that's very very chill very welcoming there are no tv screens my favorite moments at rhyme and reason is when the bar is like absolutely packed you know the beer garden the tap room the malt room full of people and the music's down and you look around and everybody's chatting not one person is on their phone like that's that's the best moment for me there that's kind of what how and what we created rhyme and reason for was was those moments. It's a noise fest in most places you go, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is sometimes, yeah. So tell me a bit about the Joyrider Pale Ale and, and why it's really important to have a signature brew. Yeah, the Joyrider, um, I actually, to be honest, I thought that uh, back in the day that our Kolsch, our German-style golden ale, was going to naturally become the signature brew because of how approachable and sexy it is. But yeah, it ended up being the Joyrider. I think the Joyrider became the flagship beer, partly because we, in the first few years, we were we were driving around Wanaka in an actual shark car. It was an old Toyota Cressida that my friend from Australia had painted with black house paint, and he had put a skull on the front of it. And he's an engineer as well, and he engineered a giant fin 
on top of this car. So we had this car, this shark car, and we had this like beautiful pale ale on tap that was yet yet to have a name. And when the town sort of fell in love with shark car, because we would drive around in this car and people would clap. They would stand up, you know, stand up, clap, wave at us. And I thought, wow, the locals are really taking to this car. And um, we actually don't really have a name for this beer. So we ended up saying, you know, it's the Joyrider. Um, and we've got, um, it's now featured on on the label is um, the beautiful shark car, which is also known as Denise the Beast. <laughs> People absolutely love it. Joy, the Joyrider is very famous in Wanaka. So you've got a goal to make the best beer in the world. Uh, that is a lofty goal. So how do you approach your brewing process to achieve a goal like that? And how do you go about crafting a new beer? Yeah, even, even back in the day when I worked at Hunter Beer Company, um, that was their goal was to you know, try and make the best beer in the world. doesn't mean you're going to, but at least if you're trying, if your standards are that high, your beer is going to be pretty good. You know, whether it gets a gold, it might get a silver, but at least you're striving to, you know, the best of your ability and the team's ability. You know, if you're going to do something, do it right. So, yeah, designing designing new recipes is a funny thing. It's not something that can just happen. It just doesn't, you just can't force, you can't force creativity. And um, so normally I will, if we're coming up with a new beer, I will go for a walk with my dog. If the idea pops into my head, I'll pop, pop the back boot of the car. I'll sit there while the dogs are running around and it'll be a nice and comfortable environment. And I'll start to think about an empty glass in my head. And what do I want in that glass? What beer style would I like? What, what would I like the aroma to be? the flavour to be, the overall balance to be of that beer. And from then, from that image and from those thoughts, I'll then reverse, like work, work backwards to get there, reverse engineer that idea into a recipe. So, for example, for my favourite beer at Rhyme and Reason, which is our, well, it used to be called the go-to, Golden Ale. It's now been rebranded as... Um, is What's Golden, which is in homage to a Jurassic 5 song. I don't know if you're a fan of Jurassic 5, but... Yes, I do know that, yep. We're all a fan of Jurassic 5 and that song, What's Golden, and because it was a golden owl, it just made sense to change the branding to that. So she's got a new look. I love this beer because it is, at the end of the day, it's a simple beer, but you do need to have careful selection of your ingredients, very careful you know, choice in how, how we process it and really watching those uh, fermentation temperatures. Yeah, so at the end of the day with, with the Kolsch, we choose the best malt, the best Pilsner malt in the world that we can get. We're using traditional SARS hops that are from the Czech Republic. And the yeast strain that we're using is yeast strain that is out of, out of Germany where the Kolsch originates. And it's that yeast. It's because we're using that particular yeast and we're fermenting it. So a Kolsch is a hybrid beer. It is an ale that's brewed as a lager. So when we ferment this beer, we're fermenting it cold or cooler at cooler temperatures, which cleans up the character of the beer. We actually slowly temp rise during the fermentation process so that that yeast can release the esters that we like that give the beer the flavor that we love, which is, it almost tastes like a fruit salad, like a tin fruit salad, like tin pear an apple it's it's delicious and we get that all from the yeast character and then that that carefully selected malt that goes in there it adds this beautiful slight like touch of honey 
and the hops it's just delicately hopped so this yeah, this is a sexy beer this is a beer um that when brewers come to town when the industry folk come to town they drink the what's golden sounds like a real mixer between art and science oh 100 percent, especially you know because we are and we are a small brewery we're actually one of the country's smallest breweries in that way you know we we're there it's, it's our eyes it's um it's myself a lead brewer and an assistant brewer and we're all keeping an eye on that you know that process the quality control yeah, it's beer made with love. So what's next for Rhyme and Reason and how can people find out more about what you do, Jess? Yeah, we are, we're, we're gearing up for a pretty fun spring and summer. We have a few cool seasonal beers, as, as we do each season, um, that are in the pipeworks. And so la- label development is happening. I'm in the background sourcing ingredients because it's quite hard to find ingredients these days uh, sometimes, depending on what you're looking for. So we like to organise this in advance. But we've got some super fun beers coming out this spring and summer. Keep track of that on our social medias. We've got the Instagram, Facebook, the website. You can sign up to a newsletter to keep an eye on it. And we'll also have quite a few gigs coming up as well. So lots of lots of live music. There's lots of birthday parties. There's lots of wedding, wedding parties. There always seems like there's something fun happening out there. That sounds perfect. Well, hey, thank you so much for chatting today. It's been really great. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having us. Thanks for thinking about us. You're listening to The Outlet. I really like the interviews. I like that it's easy to listen to while I'm at the gym. I like that it's local and all about this community. The Outlet. The talk of Queenstown. Hi, David. Welcome to The Outlet. Hi, Brent. I'm happy to be here. Now, there was a great outcome recently from the Angus and Associates Impact Assessment Report. Can you tell us more about the positive economic impact of the Lake to Lake Trail on the local economy? I certainly can, and it was well outlined in the report. We knew the trail was adding value to the area and adding income to Tianao and, and businesses of the like, but we were a little surprised by the extent of that. The snapshot that Angus looked at was from March 22 to March 23, and they deduced that there was an economic benefit of around 3.025 million to the community as a result of the Lake to Lake Trail being there. They had a, a, a whole heap of uh, information around findings from the survey that they did, the Trail User Survey, and the survey of businesses, the survey of stakeholders. And essentially the highlights were in that particular year that because of the Lake to Lake Trail, there was about 5,100 visitors came to Fjordland to particularly use the trail. Collectively, that meant around 10,000 nights of accommodation uh, provided in the area. The direct economic contribution crewing as a result of that visitor expenditure was in excess of $1.8 million. And then there was also another element of income that was a, 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 as a direct result of the events that are held uh, annually using the trail as, as a facility. That's including the Meridian Half Marathon, the Mitre 10, 10K, and the Spring Challenge. And it was assessed that Those three events alone in that particular year contributed over $980,000 worth of benefits to the local economy. So, yeah, pretty relevant, really. And um, that aside, there's also been um, a tremendous boost to businesses um, in in Tiana Township itself. There are a number of 
businesses that hire bikes, three or four businesses reported that they had benefited by the tune of around about 13% in revenue take as a result of the trail being there. So yeah, all pretty positive, really. The other good thing too was the score from the trail users was 8 out of 10, which is great. So how will this impact the Fiordland Trails Trust plans for the future? Well, it's interesting. That's a great score, sure. But there are things that we are doing and can do that will actually improve the user satisfaction. There's a there's a four-kilometre leg that we refer to as leg five between um, Balloon Loop and Supply Bay Road that's on road currently because we haven't been able to achieve dock permissions to put the trail through the park. We've now decided that we will progress in off-road leg five, not through the park though, skirting the park and we've in, in the Angus report really alerted us to the fact that there was an element of frustration with having to ride on the on the road given how fantastic it was being away from the road along the river and lake and so on. So anyway, we've bitten the bullet. We can't wait to 20, 2030 until the park plan may be changed and there's no there's no promises around that. So we're going to get on with it and complete that League 5 off-road within the next couple of years. So could you tell me please what are the ongoing plans to extend the trail further north of Tiano as well as the Jobs for Nature program? Yeah, ab- absolutely. We have in fact got six kilometres of, of trail in place now from Tiana heading towards Tiana Downs and we have resource consents to build a trail up to Boundary Creek which is the Children National Park boundary that is 14 kilometres north of Tiana. So we've got portion under construction right now and we hope to get to Boundary Creek in the next two, two and a half years. And the Jobs for Nature program? Well, two years ago, the the government made the Jobs for Nature funding available and we saw an opportunity to, in fact, progress our trail, but alongside that, to undertake some biodiversity work that enhances the, the trail and the trail surrounds. So there's five aspects to the Jobs for Nature um, project. It's been running for two years now. As part of this project, we maintain a 40-metre corridor. We are enhancing the some of the eroded banks within the trail corridor um, as well. But the major amount of effort is actually going into the biodiversity work in the Upakarora Delta. And I'm pleased to say that we've we've planted of the order of 16,000 native plants in the delta and th- across three areas over the last two years. And we have also maintained a predator control program, program across that, that area. And we've got further enhancement to do as well um, within within that delta. What are you looking for in regards to future development of the Lake to Lake Trail? And I mean, what work is being done to make Tiano a cycling hub with multiple trail options for users? We have always had that as our long-term objective. We would like Tiano to be a, a cycling, tourist cycling destination, even though our trail is a multi-use trail and it's there for, it's there for everybody, um, from the disabled down to the children on bikes and so on. But we're taking on basically a, a hub and spoke approach, if you like. We, our long-term dream is to see, in conjunction with uh, the Milford Opportunities Group, was to see a trail from Cascade Creek, Needle Valley, right the way through to Manapuri, and then 
that, that would give us about 100 kilometres of trail. That aside, we, we're also looking at other potential trails. And again, this was highlighted in the Angus report and we had stakeholders and users saying, hey, yes, we should look at particularly two other options. One is a trail from Manapuri up to Whitestone and, and back into Tiana. And another one is perhaps along the edge of the Kepler Mire, which runs parallel with Tiana Manapuri State Highway 95. So we've got a lot on our box. We've got construction going on. We're going to have that continuing as long as until our money runs out, essentially. And then we're also scoping, mainly on a, on a voluntary, with the skills we've got within the trust, the Kepler Mire and the Whitestone trails as well. And there are others we would like to get into later on and potentially a, a link to around the mountain. Potentially, we ever get permission to, to get into the park um, across to Hidden Lakes on the other side of the lake from Tianau. There's a whole heap of, of possibilities to be fair, Brent. Yeah, boy, it's a big project, isn't it? And I mean, people can find out more if they get to fjordlandtrails.nz. That's your website. But what else can people find on there, David? Um, it's a very comprehensive website. You can read about the trails. You can read about our, the Angus report is tagged and they can read about the details of the survey and the outcomes of that, that impact assessment. They can read about the history of the trust, identify the trustees. We're a bunch of volunteers, remember, but we do employ professionals as required to advance our, our professional services ahead of our run, ahead of our trail progression because there's a hang of a lot of work has to go into the resource consenting um, aspects these days, as you will know. And um, I could imagine what the paperwork's like. Yeah. Well, it's got harder over time. Like we, we started out in 2015. All we needed was doc, doc permission in those days. Um, now it probably takes a year at least to get a um, trail extension over the line with through the consenting authorities. And people can donate on the website too, can't they? Yes, there's, um, there's uh, information on there in respect to that. We, we're very indebted to community funders. We haven't had a lot of money out of, out of government except to say the uh, Jobs for Nature project and we've got a beautiful little um, cycle ridge across the Upakarora River, thanks to um, NZTA. So we, we have been fortunate, but we look across the, the boundary at uh, Otago and Queenstown with real envy when you see the billions that are actually poured into that area and the benefits they're accruing. So the reality is we've spent around about well, less than $2 million in total. We're accruing $3 million a year in benefits. You know, we've got 30-odd kilometres of trail for that $2 million. We think we're a hang of a good investment. Yeah, I think so. Look, it's, a, it's incredible what you've done. with, it. And it's great when the community gets behind you, right? I mean, they, they drive a lot of this. Oh, a great bunch of, of volunteers, mainly locals. Great skill set amongst them. And we've never had a lot of money, so we've had to do a lot through volunteer inputs. But the benefits are huge, and, and we thoroughly enjoy it. They're Great bunch of people. Download the Queenstown app from the App Store or Google Play. Thanks for listening to The Outlet. The Outlet is produced and published by the Queenstown app and supported with funding from the New Zealand Public Interest Journalism Fund. The Outlet is available on the Outlet button of your Queenstown app and wherever you get your podcasts.